0: Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek
1: podcast. My name is Kevin, one of your hosts. And I am Ethan, two of your hosts. And today we are discussing The Elysian Kingdom, directed by Amanda Rowe, who has done actually some pretty cool things. So Doom Patrol series, which... um it's a great looking series it's a dc series uh, on hbo started off on the dc app but it's a quite a good show cloak and dagger the marvel show which was not that great and nancy drew which was actually kind of cool on the cw um and we do bring in one of um the new trek universe's favorite places to pull from the 100 hmm which at least is a genre show, uh, written by Akella Cooper, who has written um, other episodes this season, and Onitra Johnson, who has not written anything before. So that's that's the maybe, um, maybe I'll behind start,
0: the camera and behind the keyboard. Maybe I'll start saying maybe I'll maybe mine will be trashy CW shows.
1: Well, it's, yeah, and, and um, yeah. I think Nancy Drew does cover that. It is mm. of like a modern trashy. Nancy Drew, but it was still kind
0: of good, I think. I just you know, like that you love saying trashy ABC shows.
1: Yeah, well, that's yeah. a whole
0: other level. Did you know, by the way, sorry, because you, when you say trashy ABC shows, you're mostly referring to like Vampire Diaries and stuff. Do you know yeah. that the guy who's playing Kirk next season is from the Vampire Diaries?
1: Oh, my. And then yeah. we had um, yeah. the, um, Picard's distant niece or whatever was from Vampire Diaries. Yeah, what
0: also? is with the Vampire Diaries connection?
1: I don't know. It's like a pipeline directly from the Vampire Diaries to Star Trek.
0: Right. So, yeah, interesting connection. I don't really get it. There must have been like a lot of like behind the scenes folks who had worked on both, like not just writers, directors, but like maybe crew as well. And there's just some sort of like interplay maybe they film nearby i don't don't know maybe they share the same do you think they share the same sound stages the same like uh studio lots and they're just neighbors and they're like doing favors for each other
1: no i think it's because we get um what's her name the showrunner of uh oh michelle paradise discovery that came from the spin-off of vampire diaries yeah maybe and yeah maybe there's just a no but that's not even cbs so it doesn't make sense
0: well cbs actually owns a cw
1: Oh okay. Yeah. Anyway, so anyway, we, we gotta. We digress. That's for the our other our Vampire Diaries podcast. Yes, yes, coming,
0: which will be released never.
1: Twenty thirty seven. So this was
0: a fun one. This was, um, you know, you want to talk about silly. I mean, this was really right in line with the original series. I had very sort of like Squire of Gothos vibes from it very almost like first season next generation you know kind of hokey feelings from it Mm -hmm. and i remember you said something to me i I may paraphrase this because i forget what you said exactly but i remember we were talking about just the series overall and i said you know that we've kind of passed the point now with where i just enjoy seeing the characters right and it's sort of like It's almost like it doesn't matter how bad or how silly a plot is. If I just enjoy being with the characters, that's sort of... That's, like, enough for me. And I think you said something to the effect of, like... Because you had watched it before I did. And you said, this is really going to test that theory. And I was expecting it to be awful. Yeah. But it wasn't.
1: Do you you see what I mean, though? It kind of did test that in a way. Because you had to have a lot of goodwill for the show to go along with this one, I felt.
0: Yeah, so when there was this one and there was another episode that had kind of some silly elements to it. And I think we were talking about how if these had been like early, early episodes, like episodes two and three, I don't know if it would have worked, but the fact that they put them sort of like near the last half of the season, to your point, they've already built up enough goodwill with the characters that they're sort of allowed to now be silly.
1: Yes. And I think that since you have a situation where the characters are playing against their type, You have to establish what their type is first so that we can see that um, Lana, you know, wearing a fairy dress is funny on its face just because, you know, it's not anything we would ever see from her
0: normally. But Pike was like the one who was just the furthest away from what he was in the real world.
1: Yeah, it really seemed like Out was um, having a really fun time (laughs) or he was. Just the director was telling him what to do, and he was just doing it. But it seemed like he was having fun.
0: He was just a subordinate, like, the entire time.
1: (laughs) Yes, and sort of a kind of a backstabbing um, uh, court intrigue kind of a character. And he always had this sort of, I don't know how to describe it. You always expect him to be the jester, the way he was always had this strange grin on his face. Right.
0: But what the episode did, which I think surprised me a little bit, Was it actually brought conclusion to the Dr. Mabenga daughter story, which you and I had said, you know, was never intrusive, but can we kind of wrap this up soon? Right. And they did. So they didn't dwell on this story on the story between them too often. I think that it was just enough that if you had maybe done a few more dedicated a little bit more time to it, you would, would have felt like it was getting it had gotten long in the tooth.
1: Yes, and I really appreciated that. I think it was the best option, yeah. given that we complain when a show kind of introduces a situation and then resolves it in a dramatic way all in one episode. Yeah. Nothing- so if we had met the daughter uh, at the beginning of the episode, and then by the end of the episode this had happened, it would have felt cheap.
0: Right, like nothing on this show, this is episode eight, don't you feel like nothing on the show is really kind of overstated? its welcome? It's almost like it's there just enough.
1: Right. And even when we saw the daughter, it wasn't a lot and it always made sense. It never felt like. Right. It was just on the sort of uh, whiteboard for the episode. Like, okay, we got to make sure we check in with the daughter every episode here. Right, right. It didn't feel like that. It felt like. But I, they were always made sense when there was a kid on board, the kid yes. found her, and then they were hanging out. It always
0: made sense. Within, it was, never felt like it was forced into an episode, right? Yes,
1: yeah, so and the episode we discovered it was cool because it was sort of a key part of the whole plot. Right, right. The I whole think, reason that there was a disaster was because of what he was doing.
0: I think my only feeling on it, what did we get it in, like four episodes maybe? I think it was like four or five episodes. Sounds right even though it may have made sense in the context of the episodes by which it appeared, I felt like we didn't make any sort of progress on it though. Like I thought to myself, like it's good to see this. It's interesting, but we're sort of running in place here. Like let's, can we move this? If you're not going to like, even though they resolved it, my feeling was sort of, if you're not going to resolve it yet, let's at least take it to the next stage of it. Let's let's evolve it a little bit, but it, you know,
1: and I thought it was headed that way when he found out about the new technologies on, you know, yes. the, the boy sacrifice planet or whatever we're going to call it. Exactly right. Child yeah. sacrifice planet. Um, and then it sort of sort of didn't. But one thing that I will give this episode that is impressive is that, and I think there was a, a headline of a well, you know, read website that said something to this effect. But the episode was very silly, but it was also very effectively emotional at the end. And I think that that is right. because we've had this built up and we believe that relationship between Mbenga and his daughter. So, I do think that, as silly as it was, it was very satisfying, very emotional. I, uh, you know... I've yeah, what was that? Feelings.
0: What was that article headline I said to you? You saw the same and The silliest that?
1: episode is also... Uh, most emotional. Most emotional.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah so. right, right. And I, now, yeah, because I had seen that, be- I read that headline before I saw the episode. And but just given like what the episode was doing and you know, what we saw in the trailers and whatnot beforehand, you know, I was worried. I said, you know, I'm like, Oh God, I was just going to, what, what are we doing here? What's what is this? But, um, no, I mean, it ended up working. I mean, I wasn't bored. I wasn't like, Oh, let's just, can we just have an anomaly episode, something like that? Like it was,
1: <laughs> it, I mean, well, yeah. it was
0: fine. I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't say that it was among my favorite of the season, but it certainly, right. there, was, there was certainly nothing wrong with it either.
1: No, I think that it could have easily been lame, but there were a few things I think they did very well that kept it from going that way. First, there was the accident when he was experimenting on a cure. Yep. So we kind of, I like that it was a little mysterious at first exactly what was happening. Mm. Because it seemed to me that he may have just passed out in the turbo left and this was all a dream. And it was just yeah. simply going to be at the end of it. He was going to wake up, right? And be like, "Oh, what a, what a, you were there and you were there?" And it was going to right. be one of those.
0: That's the thing. Um, like we, it, it was not clear until Hemmer came into this that yes. this was actually so that was cool. really happening. Yeah. So I liked that too. I liked I that really aspect liked of it a lot. Yeah.
1: Yes, um, and actually, it was interesting. I, I watched it, and my thought was that it's the main plot with all the fantasy elements was a very original series feeling. Plot, But I sort of felt the other plot about the intelligence and the daughter consciousness bonding with the intelligence felt more like a next generation idea. Well, so So that that was really nice.
0: That also, that, I'm glad you mentioned that because that sort of reminded me of the ending to the motion picture when Decker and Ilea kind of merged with V'ger into this higher life form, right? So it had that, because... What you and I have said a lot of the last couple of years is that, you know, we miss... V'ger. Well, not Vija, but like we miss... Yeah. yeah, we have, but but like we miss those episodes where you see the sort of like non-corporeal intelligence that they just yeah. encounter in space, right? Yeah. Like, not it's, it's too much of like, a, everything's a crisis, we've got to fix this and save the galaxy,
1: right? Yeah, and... instead of just we encountered a weird-ass life form, we don't know what to do.
0: But it was very you know it was very like um it was classic star trek in that it was a life form that a non-corporeal life form that sort of analyzed something from the crew and used that to represent and use that as a way to kind of represent and almost communicate with them in a way that they would understand rather than it just being oh, a yeah. simple like communicating through a view screen or some by some other way Right. Right. Or just. They bring uh, a story to life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And just not fully understanding anything about humans, really. And just like, oh, this, I've sensed someone that was, had, that felt, had negative emotions. I wanted to make them feel better. So I did this. Right. It was just a very, on a simplistic level.
0: It was a simplistic level, but it was like still like very kind of classic Star Trek and just very good, I think, science fiction. Because it had that it not only had that but it oh. also had the emotional aspect of it too that i think yeah. worked very well.
1: It even had some hints of um Pike's decision that he has to make someday. Yeah. Of do i stay in the place where i am um, have a life even though it's not real? Yeah. Or it's not, you know, my culture or whatever. So in another way it's kind of like that situation. Mm. Actually it's a lot like that situation. I hadn't considered that. Interesting.
0: When I think the other episode that it kind of reminds me the most of is Cupid when Q turns every the next gen crew the enterprise crew into into the Robin Hood characters right and they're just all like totally out of their element. Oh yeah. Right. And uh but in Q's in but in this case like there's a, there's sort of a there's more of an emotional it has more emotional weight to it other than Q just wanting to do it just because it's fun and I want to repay you. Right. Yeah like things sort of hinge on this one
1: yes yes and there is a ch- also a, a crisis for the crew because you know they've had their consciousnesses hijacked yep um so i think that right we needed to have enough for this to have the emotional payoff we had to know the situation i think that that happened very well i think they set up the mystery very well And it was fun to watch Hemmer and Mbenga work out what exactly was happening. Yep. And it was fun to watch the actors because, you know, every actor, no matter what role they play, you know, that at some point in their life, they were a theater nerd. Uh, No matter how much of a tough actor they might seem like or whatever roles they play. So we really got to see a lot of their theater nerds come out here, especially with, um, I can't think of her name, but the actress that plays Lana, Lana,
0: Christina Chong. Yeah. Yeah. She really went over the top. Yep. Which apparently that was her real life dog that was brought onto the episode.
1: Well, Very nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. With the singing and the really over the top. So that was, that was fun.
0: But they also did a lot of, even though these actors are playing different characters, the new characters they were playing were not sort of like equivalency to their Enterprise characters. In other words, like Mabenga was the king. Pike was not the king, right? Pike is the captain, but he was not sort of the lead of the whole thing. They were right. not They were not sort of like in, in the storyline, in the storybook, they were not like in an equivalent position to their real life counterpart, right? Everybody right. was somewhere else.
1: And that right? makes, I guess that's interesting because it shows that, the entity was looking at the people through benga's daughter's eyes right so who would be the king to her but her dad of course correct yep and the rest of the crew doesn't matter as much
0: right right um i really enjoyed watching silly rose gooding play uhura in this one and just be the sort of the big bad enemy on this one the big bad queen
1: yes and very much yeah. um also outside of their normal character by a lot
0: right right and you know just nurse chapel just being almost totally kind of like clueless on just about everything i mean
1: yes but also a healer of sorts which was pretty funny yeah she was very good she was very good i
0: think the real you know i've got to say though i think the real kind of like star of this episode for me was well I shouldn't say the star, but the thief of the episode was definitely Hammer. Um, This is probably the most plot-heavy episode for that character. And it's through Hemmer we realize that this is all actually happening. Because, uh, as we were saying earlier, it wasn't clear at first whether this is just imagination or if this is actually taking place on the Enterprise. And I think that, and Hemmer was sort of the key to revealing all of that, and the dude stole every scene that he was in, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, he was good. I really liked how he sort of was mildly, and you may have mentioned this, mildly annoyed by the whole thing. Right. As if, oh, God. <laughs> You know, he's not about merriment or any of that imagination, so he sort of realized, all right, if I'm going to get through this, I'm going to have to kind of join in the weirdness of it. Yeah. Very reluctantly goes along.
0: Well, but also, if you think about it, you know, he said that he detected this consciousness out in space and then he blocked it because his mental abilities were so well refined. Yeah. Spock, however, is also a telepath and he didn't block it. He wasn't able to.
1: half human (laughs) which
0: means that spock decided to like let it in and kind of like almost and almost explore it when Hemmer was just like no i'm not doing this you know yeah which is the same way he felt throughout the entire throughout this entire fantasy he just wasn't he just wasn't like up for what was going on and he just wanted to get out of it as soon as possible or just find the quickest way to get out of it and i just love that he was not he just wasn't playing along with anybody, even like the rest of the crew who, you know, were kind of pulled into this whole thing and didn't even realize what was going on. He didn't even try to like, you know, break it to them gently or anything. He was just like, yeah, I'm not I, I can't talk to you because you don't you don't even know what I'm saying. Or if he did, he would just sort of lie and just say something totally bull- bullshit. So they would just leave him alone. Like specifically when they're breaking out of the cell, Right. He actually, he's using, like, real-world tools to get, to get through it. Yeah, I suggest you look mm. away, otherwise you'll go blind. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just this whole moment in the, in, the, in the corridor where he's, you know, because Mabenga has to get to his quarters where his daughter is. And so, of course, they're being intercepted. They get intercepted by the queen and all of, you know, her uh, minions, the rest of the crew and you kind of sense like yeah there is sort of a real threat going on here but you don't really know what's how it's going to happen and hammer just goes through this entire like bullshit routine first of all he's like terrible at lying terrible at threatening them he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna what the hell did he say it was something to the effect of like i'm going to use my evil sorcerer sorcerness, sorceries or something like that like he could not even think of what yeah. he wanted to it's say
1: Reasonable thing to hear in a fantasy story, <laughs> right, and then he just uses it quickly the- they kind of suspect that he's bluffing, <laughs> right which is funny also and then of course, by using the technology, he is able to do something that seems very magical to them
0: well, and that also we, we talked about this recent like somewhat recently um, having to do with Picard, I believe, but I, there was a quote that I had mentioned that Picard spoke on the next generation. I forget the context, but he, he said something like. Um, to anybody, they would think that. To anybody who was not who who didn't know about I our technology, about the um, they would think I might,
1: have, I might have the quote. Oh, please! It's something in the effect of two, Um any like sufficiently advanced technology will be indistinguishable from magic.
0: To, that's to exactly people. the one. Yes, yeah. and while I don't think it was intentional to kind of look at it that way for this episode, that's. Instantly what I thought of because they because hammer was sort of like interchanging magic and science with them, depending on who he was talking to, and that's essentially what it was,
1: yeah, and it was neat too, when they kept and Benga was doing this also where he would incorporate his technology into the the story, so he had right. the the scanner right and, um, he was just saying like they just thought, oh, that's another magical stone right, so but
0: I thought they took a very interesting approach in that and sort of the way they figured this out, which was, there was a point in this fantasy because Mabenga is familiar with the story, but he begins to realize that the story is not following it in the book exactly. Because if you remember, there was that point early in the episode when he was reading the story to his daughter again. She wanted to change it. She wanted to change it and that's how he began to realize wait this is not correct he would say like you know you two are not supposed to know each other well we do know each other i know that but you should not know each other Mm -hmm. and that's when they sort of make the connection which i thought was very which i thought was really really um well done and they finally find his daughter and then you know despite the fact that we spent just enough time with his daughter and they communicate with the intelligence. Mm-hmm. I really did have an emotional reaction to that moment where like the entity sort of offers him, you know, because he's saying, like, you know, you can't keep the crew this way. You can't this is not, you know, you 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 have to return them to their normal state. And yeah. you know, the entity is like, well, if I, you know so yeah, but you have to choose between the crew or your daughter, you can't have both. Mm. And I don't know. I just felt that was very. I found that to be a very well done moment.
1: It really was. It was very emotional. And if you remember also, there was the parallel in the fantasy story where the choice that the character needs to make is to give up their greatest weapon. Right. To save the person that they love or something. But right. They can't have both. Right. So it wasn't as well done as some of these where the sort of the, the theme carries throughout, but it was there and yeah. I always appreciate a nice, theme attempt
0: and you know i thought it ended well with his you know with his daughter sort of like becoming healed and you know leaving and then obviously returning moments later
1: that's what really got me was the returning yeah that was fantastic and see her as an adult and imagine i mean i'm not a parent myself but just imagining what they must be like, you think your daughter's not even going to like survive because she has a terminal illness, and now it's like... Right. You get to see her live 20 years in 30 seconds.
0: Right. And you know, I sus—I do wonder if we're going to see her again. It seems like she can just sort of drop in anytime she wants. Um, yeah. Yes. What I... But also at the same time, I thought it was a very good arc for Mabenga because ultimately he was trying to find a cure for this whole thing. And he just found that yeah. the cure was just to say, you know, really just to say yes, to make a decision. You know, he could not. I mean, he could in a way he was not able to kind of science his way out of it.
1: Right. And he also had to. He had to give up his daughter in order to save her.
0: Right. Right, it
1: is, I, I imagine what a lot of parenting is, because there comes a point in your child's life that you have to kind of say, okay, now it's... well, You have to go out into the world and do the rest yourself, and I'm sure that's very hard.
0: But I think also, like, I th- I, what I liked about that story arc, what I liked about that character arc was that, you know, I mean, it, it, doesn't, bring, it doesn't bring Mabenga full circle, but, you know, it definitely makes him a far more interesting character now, right? Like, you know, know, it reminds me of like when after Picard was assimilated by the Borg and then he's sort of in that recovery phase, I felt that Picard became a much more interesting character after that. He was much more interesting to watch. And, you know, we always complain about like, you know, like discovery and maybe even Picard to some extent this season. Anyway, those shows kind of obsession, about wanting to just thinking that the only way to make a character interesting is to do is to do something traumatic is to put them to put them through the ring or put them through some sort of trauma
1: or and, worse yet don't put them through it but have them tell us
0: right tell us uh, about well,
1: it. something that happened to them before which is
0: but I w- but I will it. say I would say in, in a lot of ways with Mabenga this was traumatic but I think it was it was well done it made sense it wasn't just you know, it wasn't just something traumatic for the sake of being traumatic. Like it actually, you know, it made sense. It, it existed before we knew him, and we were just sort of led into it.
1: Right. In context. and we got a compelling story for it to happen. Right. That's the best thing. We got a compelling episode where in which that traumatic thing happened, and it wasn't all trauma. I mean, it was more of a bittersweet. It was bi- right. It was
0: bittersweet. Like, it, like when you say trauma, you think it, you know trauma. I think is sort of a dramatic word to use because it just seems like it's, you know, something sort of like awful has to happen to you. Like something kind of like life altering has to happen to you. That's just going to affect you for the rest of your life and you know, whatever. But yes, I think it was much more bittersweet. And I think also the way we were informed about it, if you recall, we learn about it at the same time. Number one does because she was not aware of it so even though it was sort of a pre-existing bittersweetness we were not sort of let into it until number one was
1: right so this is again a great example of writing when if we if you bring us if we're there for all the key moments we're going to follow it and we're going to go along with it if we're just informed someone walked into a room and said oh yeah i'm hiding his daughter in the in the transporter buffer she's sick it's like okay whatever but we got to really right see it right yeah so i think that this is sort of strangely strange new worldly hmm. um a Hopefully. very probably the m- most prolonged story arc except for maybe um Anna and the um the lizard people gorn <laughs> I should probably mention the fact that why we're so late with this is because I've had COVID and still have COVID, so I do have a little bit of a sleepy mm. COVID brain yeah. right now. Beaming area. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah, so it's probably the most prolonged. Uh, surprisingly, I mean, who would have thought going into this that it's going to be Mbenga that's going to have the one of the the most continued story arcs for the season.
0: Yeah. This is you know, the other thing too is that when i think back to the season i hate to say this when i think back to the season because it's almost over um yeah. we're getting a lot of character building and a lot of like episodes that focus specifically on this character and that character but we're getting surprisingly because this is like mobenga's second episode mm. and i thought damn they're like kind of repeating these things like they're in other words like I thought to myself cuz like we haven't gotten really like a hammer episode per se, right? An episode that solely focuses on him or mostly focuses on him or even really Nurse Chapel either. And the fact that right. they're sort of like repeating that
1: Spock episode. Sagan? Um Chapel's always a big part of the Spock episodes. Right. But it's true. We haven't gotten anything about her. We're
0: not, we're getting like repeated episodes. Like, certain characters are getting, are almost getting, are getting like two episodes.
1: Yeah. Which is fun. Yeah, I I don't think there's any rule that you have to give everybody equal.
0: Well, I mean, I shouldn't, I mean, I shouldn't, but but, okay, I'll use a better example. We have not gotten a real focus on Ortegas yet. I don't know that we're going to. I hope we do, because I do like her, and I love, and I, and I, you know, I enjoy every scene she's in. But I would like to. You know, she's another character I'd like to know a little bit more. Maybe, yeah. you know, next week or the week after that we'll get something, you know, focused on her. But um, I would like that. And, you know, once again, it's not like there's anything wrong with what they've done. I'm just saying I'd like to see, you know, can we have a little bit more focus on
1: yeah. Ortega? There's but definitely like,
0: plenty of room for that in the future. So. I do
1: have to reiterate, though. I do love that even when it's not their episode, their mo- their scenes are great. Any of the ancillary characters.
0: Yeah, because... Here's the thing. Because what I was going to say was... As we were talking about Mabenga... Is that... You know, if you remember the the show... The the big difference between this show and the other ones... Is that they have the sort of emotional serialization, right? The plots are not serialized. But the characters are. And... um, Even though that we don't get... You know, full focus on everybody... those secondary almost ancillary ancillary characters still get plenty to do and we enjoy the time that we have with them because they're all used in places that make complete sense everything feels specific to them I I think maybe once maybe two times this whole season I've had the thought of that scene could have been anybody Mm. okay that's
1: And that's probably something to do with some sort of technical aspect of running the ship or something.
0: Right. Everything feels tailored to each character, right? Yeah. Everyone's brought into a scene for a specific reason. Mm -hmm. Not just because they have to round it out with a third character and bring somebody. Like everybody, everybody has a function on the
1: show. Right. And because their personalities are so distinct that Right. When they say a line, you would know who it was, even if you were just reading the line. Right. And or I guess will have some sort of a little um, snarky or sarcastic um, right. retorts right. to
0: it. Well, turns. like when this episode, when, when the events begin in this episode and they're about to walk away from the nebula, she says to Pike, so are you going to say it?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, yes.
0: Was... Hit it. <laughs> you know,
1: yeah. it's... And then he said, it's not I'm hitting it, sir. But here's the thing most
0: of Ortega's scenes are scenes like that is her sort of her funny interplay with Pike. Right. And even to your point, even if we may not get an entire episode focused on her, Mm -hmm. the moments where she is used like that with Pike, for example, are just, they're great. Like, I love, I love those. I love those moments. And, and, that's enough to get me invested because she's—I think she's very funny and right. she's very, very likable. All right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's the—you know—I mean, the comparison of the other op- op- uh, option was for her to be a wreath. Well, right. I mean, character that just is there to execute commands and press buttons and doesn't have much of a personality unless it's like oh now it's a personality moment for that character so we better give him a personality all of a sudden
0: that's what you're landing on Like, it's 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 the characters have personalities hmm. alright like yeah Reese Owo and Detmer can be anybody
1: yeah sorry Until, be anybody. Or, or depending on the season like well, one season one of them had trauma I guess right there's no consistency between them all other than like oh they yeah. seem like nice people I guess <laughs>
0: Because the last thing I was gonna mention on the scene with Mabenga and and his daughter, you know I was just gonna comment on this, that when you're talking about having the emotional serialization on the show and just sort of the emotional the, the character arcs going throughout the season, everything it's nice to have things pay off. Things are paying off. Mm-hmm. Everything things have come in for a landing. Things work. And Totally. It's just the, you know, that's for me, like that's all you have to do. The show yeah. did not, has not, it's weird. It makes the effort and yet it seems effortless. Like in other words, you don't, you watch the show and the show has no problem spending time on a character and developing a character. It's like the show's like, yep, no problem.
1: Yeah. it's easy. Well, I think it comes down to the big thing of if you establish your characters well, Right. If you create distinct personalities for them, then they almost write themselves. Right. Because you can just imagine, okay, in the situation, how, when they are a fully fleshed out character, how would they respond? Right. And if you know your characters and you've created them well, then you just, it's like a math problem almost.
0: Well, and also...
1: Situation plus character equals the reaction.
0: And if you think about this too, they've also given personalities to these... Um... Legacy characters that, when you really go back and think of the original series, you know, you think about them being very important legacy characters, which they are, but they, when you look at them on the original series, like Uhura, Mabenga, in some ways, even though two episodes, Nurse Chapel,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they were ancillary characters. I mean, I hate to say it, but they were, you know, right. but they were Hello. ancillary characters. They were, Uhura was more important in the films, I yeah. guess.
1: Well, I had to take it back but, a little bit because yeah. I for, kind of forgot, but I, in watching some. Little series recently she seemed to really tease spock a lot
0: she absolutely did yeah
1: yeah which was interesting i kind of forgot about that so i was like oh don't you want to date me mr spock right And we'll, just be like,
0: well see and that no, and you not and when people would express their frustration that in the kelvin films that uhura and spock had a relationship you know what the hell is this i'd say do you people remember in the original series i mean they weren't in a relationship but uhura was quite flirty with him
1: 30, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I had to bring up something very important, which I'm so surprised that we haven't talked about yet. Go right ahead. And, so I didn't take notes like I usually do, but I did take a few notes, but I don't have them. But that's not important, <laughs> because I remember what it is. Very beginning of the episode, I believe we get a meta line from Pike about all of New Trek when Pike oh, said really? Yes, Pike says uh something to the effect of Boy, isn't this great just checking out a nebula, focusing on the science, no explosions, no, oh, no battles. Well done. Yes, I I just remember focusing on the science. <laughs> just checking out, you know, nebulas and it was it seemed like such a pointed yeah. line. Oh, I
0: have no I have no doubt that that's I have no doubt. That was that's not and that's not the first time we've heard something like that. I think on this show where it and seemed like late though. Or no, was it this show? Wasn't was there something on Discovery that I thought didn't I make a recent season of Discovery? Didn't I say did they I can't remember what it was, but I, I feel like I had something recently where it seemed like it was some line was a meta comment on the state of fandom. I just can't remember what it was. I no, feel I like mean, it might have been on Discovery, this recent season not of Discovery.
1: True. But I do hope that, you know, the, and I couldn't wait the to say it.
0: Diary to you. Showrunner was
1: watching that line.
0: Well, and the thing was, I remember making that connection and I couldn't wait to say it to you.
1: Me too. It was the biggest thing on my notes. And then.
0: Yeah. And we forgot till now. I but that's it okay.
1: Was- it rewards the people that stick around. See, that's why when you stick around, you get this A grade content.
0: Right. Yeah, there was definitely. I don't think it was Strange New Worlds. It was, it was, yeah, there was another show where that had happened as well. So, but I like when they do that. I like when they kind of make, you can sort of interpret the comments that way, lines from them as being some sort of commentary on, you know,
1: the fandom in a lot of ways. Well, I think it's more of the shows themselves. The shows, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. by saying, isn't this great? No, no. I forget what it was like no phaser blasts no fights right. no battles yeah. just checking out anomalies and doing the science well because I think you and I almost
0: said that kind of verbatim because when you have a moment like that we're just thinking like yeah we just that's all we want we just want them to encounter something weird in space it's just you know exploring and nebula like it's fine that's all we need yeah Fine.
1: It's great. I mean, you know, you can. here's an example. Here's a perfect example, right? You're exploring a, a weird anomaly in space, a nebula, whatever. And you get a, uh, an episode where everyone is in a fantasy kid's yeah. book. Yep. You know? Nebula's anomalies
0: can take you anywhere. Actually, so let me ask you this. Um, and I'll, I'll ask it. I'll, remember, I'll try to remember to ask it again when we do our season wrap-up. So when we were talking about, so like two years ago, if you can believe that, when the show was announced when we were in mm. that episode speculating about what we want to see, you know, yeah. you, we kept saying more you than me. We want to see some crazy shit, like crazy shit, like in the vein of the original series. You know, you talk about Richard Nixon yeah. in space or anything like that. Right. You, yeah, updating yeah. Link. Do you feel like the show has, I mean, I don't think it's gone to that extreme, but do
1: you, do you feel like this the show is the doing that? Yeah. Yeah. This is the closest we've gotten. So I would like to see a little bit more of that, but I've not been disappointed. In any way, um,
0: yeah. I think because when you look at, it's funny because we saw scenes from this episode in the trailer for the show a few months back, and yeah, now
1: we thought, whoa, they're really
0: doing it now. Obviously, yeah, right now. Obviously, at the time we didn't know what it was, but I said to you, it looks because you know what it was—they were mer- They it was clips with that clips from this episode were mm-hmm. played with the clips from a few episodes before where they it was um. The the episode with the little kid and he was the leader and uh, he had to sacrifice himself for that world. That world had like a had sort of like like an ancient Greek look to it, right? And they were yeah, using and spears they had, and stuff, right?
1: Although yeah. oh, they were disintegrating so, the spears.
0: So, but I thought those were kind of the same episode, and I thought, oh, look, they're doing That's exactly what it is. They're doing episode. they we're meeting aliens like that. So, um, so, I mean, it's, you know, I think we're getting that, but I, 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 yeah, I mean, I would like to see something sort of more on the absurd side, like, you know, the savage curtain meeting a president in space or something like that. And just kind of, you know, I want to, I want to see like, you know, them take some science fiction ideas that they would do if this were the 1960s. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that would be cool actually if they would go back to like some of those just I want one of the just writers once. at least to go back. Read a bunch of the short stories, '60s sci-fi short stories. Yeah. Just get inspired by those. Right. Another thing that would be cool is if, when planning the season, they send someone to like, the bulk costume room at Paramount, because you know that's how a lot of those original series came about. They just like, what do we have lying around? Well, yeah. I mean, I, oh I, we yeah. have we have gang we have a, a Chicago set and we have gangster suits. Like, all right, nice. Let's do it. So that would be cool if they did something like that. They found like, you know, yeah, i sort of a, oh, modern I mean, what they're the playing around.
0: They borrowed props from the outer limits. Um, I, I, th- I, I might be wrong about this. I think the creature in the devil in the Dock was no, not, I'm sorry, not the creature. from The devil in the, Dark, the Mugatu mm-hmm. was design was a costume from the outer limits. I believe it was from the outer limits. Nice. Yeah, so they'd taken a lot of props yeah. and stuff like that from other, you know. Yep. They and shot I'm sure a-
1: like those, whenever we go to, we encounter, mm, I remember seeing a lot of like togas and laurels and, yeah. you know, things like that that I'm sure they had laying around. Well,
0: you, and, in a way, you almost want them to do it like the way Lower Decks did. Like, remember like when Lower Decks went to the, you know, went to Beta 2 from, uh, uh, from the original series with um uh Landrew and they showed the surface of the planet and it still looked like as if it were it was drawn like a 1960s soundstage still yeah it still maintained that look and so yes i in some ways i kind of want them to do that but like
1: right and i do think that when we got vulcan in spock's dream at least we got a taste of that which was cool yeah
0: yeah like i
1: want them to yeah i definitely want them to do that but funny Rather than bring in characters like Scotty, I want them to bring in weird ass ideas from right. the original series. I don't care about Scotty. I care about weird stuff floating in space.
0: I was really because it's definitely this is if the if the original series were made today, this is what it would be. But what I was kind of secretly hoping for when we were talking about the show in the very very early days was that you know if it was going to be kind of a throwback to the original series, I I actually kind of hoped that. When an episode began, we would get the episode title in the original series font in the quotes. Episode title written know. by, you know, I would've I was kinda hoping we would get that too. It would be um, great with
1: little strings so going like
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And like maybe mimic some of the same starship passes that the Enterprise did in the original series. Just like little things like, that. like I like I definitely I really want them to do that one shot of the Enterprise flyby and then zooming in on the bridge dome. I really want them to do that
1: just once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Though so I have to say, all the... Um, These are nice to haves. All the animations of the ship have been so good. They have. They really have. I mean, just seeing the ship doing things we never saw it do before and moving in ways we haven't seen it move.
0: Well, it was the, uh, it was the second episode when uh, I remember you commented on the Enterprise. It was sort of doing... It kind of did, oh, a, like, like barrel, a ba- rolls. barrel rolls and stuff like that. Yeah, like, it was almost flying around as if it were an X-Wing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now, and maybe we- the thought before was like, well, it's so big, it wouldn't, but you're in space. Doesn't matter how big it is, it could be- do all kinds of weird things.
0: Well, I mean, also in space, the way the ships come together like that, they, they meet face-to-face like that. I mean, it makes it seem like every ship flies on the same plane, you know?
1: Makes show up like, bling.
0: Um, um all right. And the last thing I'm gonna mention is uh there was an Easter egg in this
1: um, Ooh. in this episode. Oh yeah. Yeah. So But it never got this one. What is it? I would have never recognized this one yeah. without your um Steady So
0: um following. we Again, you know, as we are taken through the story, um, there's a moment where we get to see the front cover of the book and see who actually wrote the story. And the story book is written none other than by Benny Russell, who, as we all know, is the fictional writer <laughs> that was played by Ben Cisco in the very well known, well regarded, well loved, beloved Deep Space Nine episode "Far Beyond the Stars"? Benny Hill, of course, is a you know science fiction writer for a uh, magazine. Yeah, and um, you know he wrote some very very powerful stuff. So in a way. It's not just an Easter egg. I mean, it is an Easter egg, but it's also, it's not just, hey, let's do Benny Russell. That would be cool. It still fits in with the type of story that we see him trying to tell in that episode of Deep Space Nine. The way, you know, the, the, the heavy themes of the story were very much in line with the type of stories that Benny Russell told on that episode. So I thought that was a very, very nice touch.
1: suggesting that what?
0: Well, I don't think that it, you know, I'm not saying that they did the whole thing strictly to throw in Benny Russell's name.
1: Do you think Benny Russell was real in some?
0: Well, that's the thing, right? Like, you you know, is it, are are we to now believe that, you know, Benny Russell was indeed a real person? I guess so far beyond the stars. I mean, it's been a while since I watched it far beyond the stars. I don't think really makes that clear. Um, they kind of make that it's kind of, it's kind of ambiguous. It sort of plays it as like, he's having visions of being that. Right. Right. So,
1: but Avery Book did direct the episode. So uh it'd be a real good way to bring him back. Maybe this is planting the seeds. Like, look what we're doing for you, Avery. You think we're going to uh, see this is part of the welcome mat that they're rolling out. But I just,
0: you know, I thought. I think they sort of made the they sort of drew to the conclusion that, you know what? This is this seems like something Benny Russell would write. Let's put his name in there. I don't think it was. I don't think it was done the opposite. I don't think it was done. All for a Benny. Russell. I don't think this was all teed up just for a Benny Russell Easter egg.
1: I see. You know what I mean? I haven't watched the episode in a while. Yeah, my memory is this would be a little light for for him, the writer, right?
0: I mean, it's definitely not as heavy as what we saw in Far Beyond the Stars. Yeah, but it's emotional nonetheless. It's heavy. It's, it's. I think it's a little. You know, if it can be a little, I think it's a little heavy-handed, just like Far Beyond the Stars. I think Far, Far Beyond the Stars dealt with racism, right? Yeah, that, that's what that one dealt about, dealt with in the year nineteen fifty-three, right? Um.
1: Plus writers, you know, a lot of the writers, particularly at that time,
0: they yeah. wrote all kinds
1: of things. They were like, they were earning a living. There was not some, um, you know, they were not like, I'm a pure artiste and I will only write right. this or that. I'm thinking of like Kurt Vonnegut and whatnot, who just would write any story that would publish him. He would write any any uh, publication that would publish him, any magazine he would, he would write for. So, But at the same time,
0: you know, I think, not dedicating a whole episode to this, to just this one plot with Mabenga and his daughter. I think potentially deprived us of a really good, like, we could have had an episode of, we could have potentially had an episode of Strange New Worlds on par with DS9's The Visitor. Right? Or maybe, um, well, yeah, I'd say The Visitor. We could have had an episode like, you know, potentially like that. So I think, I think to your point, I'm not saying that you introduce the idea and then go through an entire episode and then end it that way. I think you could have concluded the episode, could have concluded the arc in an episode very much like that. And, you know, the basic idea of The Visitor was that Cisco kind of quote unquote dies and he keeps coming back and he sees Jake aging, but Cisco is not aging. Mm. And it gets to a point where like Cisco sees Jake and he goes, "Oh my God, you're older than I am." So it it was a very powerful, very moving episode, and I thought that maybe we could have gotten something sort of on par with that on deep on uh Strange New Worlds, right? I think I think we did in in its own way, yeah. Which again, you know, I'm not saying, well, Strange New Worlds, you should have been doing that, right? I think yeah. maybe you could have had. You know, maybe if done differently, you could have had an episode similar to that, which, which could have been just as impactful, just as emotional, right? But, I mean, there was no, they, they weren't wrong doing it this way. It's just.
1: No, like, I think there was something to be said for how they were able to do so much in such little time also. Right. And I think it was that it was somewhat jarring after the silliness of the episode and then that emotional moment, really. I don't know. I found it hit very well.
0: Yeah, person. it did. It did. Um, it's it's funny to me that we, whenever I sort of like get into any criticisms on the show, it's never like, oh, you did it wrong. It's mm. like, oh, or maybe you could have done it this way. You could have done it that way. But it's never to say that I don't like what they did. Right? So yeah.
1: Or this is all dumb. We're criticizing. Uh,
0: we criticize the show on a very, I think, a very different level.
1: I wouldn't even call it criticism. We're sort of just... Playing around with the idea of, like, how else could they have done
0: this? Right. Right. Yeah. So. Which is nice. Very good. So, I do have one quick news item, then we can sort of wrap this up. So, I found out that season two of Strange New Worlds has just finished production.
1: Really? Yeah. Well, that is great. Finished filming it. And Um, I just realized that Candyman played adult Jake in well, correct. the visitor. <laughs> oh, he's been in Star Trek several times. Also known as um, court Tony Todd.
0: Yeah, he's been in Trek a number of times. Um, what Season I'm,
1: 2
0: They began shooting it in February, and uh, we're in June now, and uh, they wrapped it. Yeah, they just wrapped it recently. I'm sorry, July first. I apologize. July first. Um, that's today. That's today. Yeah. Um, so, what I'm not sure of, though, and I, I haven't heard anything about this yet, is because Strange New Worlds has two episodes left for the season.
1: I don't know what's coming next. Like, we gotta assume it's um, Lower Decks. Lower Decks in but, August.
0: Well, Lower Decks generally comes at sort of toward the end of July, right? Yeah. But I've not heard anything yet.
1: Oh, there could also be the other one, the Prodigy, Nickelodeon one. That's not yeah. Nickelodeon anymore. Is yeah. Thank you, guys.
0: Um, again, worth your time. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, but I also don't. I was trying to figure out today what the next live action one would be, and I think it's going to be Picard because they shot seasons two and three back to oh, back.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, just get it over with. yeah <laughs> You know, they get started to, tomorrow. Just get it over with. Well, they, they here's the thing. They
0: Picard season three was shot back to back with two, so they're already in post production of that. Not, not promising. Discovery yeah. only just began shooting season five, so that one's like the furthest out.
1: Good.
0: <laughs> Take Picard or any day over that. Dude, trust me. I would welcome a season, a season two of Strange New Worlds before discovery because remember i said to you like you know it's not gonna be discovery if they just started filming this gonna of, be right and discovery but here's the thing: your way you know, at least the discovery's episode count has also been reduced to 10
1: a season finally good crap so- <laughs> <laughs> just give the other episodes to strange new worlds the budget yeah, you know? just give us a So tw-
0: do don't you think it's something to be said when we're like oh only two episodes left like oh you could have given you could have given us a few more I wouldn't say no to like 13, tw- 15,
1: 25, do it you know, 90 style, 26. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Julie and I were, we were invested. We watched the new uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie. Oh God. It was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we went back and I was like, wow, well, I didn't realize that Chippendale Rescue Rangers, if you're familiar with it, it only had one season. So we look back see how many episodes. 65 episodes in that one season. Because it was on
0: every week. It was after Yeah, it was every, every weekday, plus. yeah. Exactly. For, yeah. And it was weird as a cartoon, you never really paid attention. You never like watched no, they the were just cartoon. Yeah, they were just on. You never knew if it was like cuz it was on every yeah. day. You never knew if you were watching a new episode or a repeat.
1: Yeah, you never really your friends like, oh man, it's a new episode of Rescue Rangers today. <laughs> we were just like, it's on. It's, right, it's three thirty. It's on. We're like, wait, i not. Wait, no, I saw this one a few weeks, ago, a few months ago. Yeah, like, oh, I hate this writer. They seriously got them to direct this one. That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, bro. But, you know, we're we're coming to the end of Strange New Worlds season one, but we're also getting, we're heading in. We're, we're, you know, it's been a long time, and I miss my USS Cerritos crew. So I'm looking forward to seeing them again in a few weeks
1: course and you know yeah it's exciting
0: yeah i think they should keep picard and discovery at 10 episodes and they should give stranger world should be like 15 episodes and yeah lower
1: you know it would be great if they say you know what we're gonna do a real throwback when you give them the same number of episodes that the original series got in season two yeah dude Which season
0: was, what, one season something. season one had 29 episodes
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. 29 episodes
0: oh. at about 50-ish minutes. Oh, but that's one more thing I'm going to mention. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that Strange New Worlds' runtime has been very consistent. It's always like in the high 50s. It's always like in the low 50s. That's great. It's never like, what the fuck? It's a 38-minute
1: episode? Yeah. Well, they're not doing the thing I'm like, well, we got to consider like syndicated commercials will be in like 45 minutes. Well, because I think,
0: you know what I think it is? I think when you're doing a season-long story arc and you're doing one episode, I think it gets to the point where you're like, if we introduce, if we do one more thing in this episode, it's going to run too long or something. Uh, but again, you know, streaming, why should that even matter? So I kind of feel like they, they just sort of strategically, I guess, figure out the different things they are going to cover and they feel like if we do one more... One more plot element. It's too long. Like, we can't fit this in. It's not going to make sense in this episode or something like that.
1: I don't believe that there's anybody at Discovery I shouldn't say strategic. No, no, we we can't fit one more plot element into this episode. Because if that's true, imagine how many there were supposed to be. Because they already crammed too many plot elements.
0: No, I think there is. And I think they're following it up by saying, I don't know how to write that. I don't know how to do that. Not because it wouldn't make sense. It's because they don't know how to do it.
1: Or it's just, I feel like they're already cramming in so many. It's
0: like, you got, you're sitting at their desk. No, I can't. It's too much. We're putting too much in this one. I can't, I can't do this one. There's too many. Can't make me do that. I'm going to HR. I can only, I can only write three plots at a time. I can't write four. can only do three.
1: Three plots at a time, and then Book's brother, and that's it. Right. There's always room for Book's brother for some reason. I can only write three plots and five
0: breakdowns in one episode.
1: I got to write three plots, but then also we can check in with Samets, Book's brother, Adira, Saru, just real quick, you know, just real quick.
0: Real quick. Real quick.
1: (laughs) Burnham's mom. (laughs) Book's
0: other brother. No, it's like, no, we can't add one more plot because I don't have enough time to write all this stuff that's unrelated. Yeah. I gotta throw in all this unrelated shit. Yeah, well... Anyway, that, speaking of unrelated, that's unrelated. So we're going yes. to, yep, we'll call it, and we're going to be back next week to discuss the. All next
1: you, o- come on, let's be honest. We're going to be back like tomorrow. Tomorrow, well, yeah. or within a couple of
0: days because I, I threw know. everything off by getting COVID. But the next episode is it appears to be, um, <clears throat> uh, an alien type episode.
1: Yes, I will also say to our listeners if anyone's not boosted out there for their COVID vaccine, go get boosted. feel very fortunate that when I got COVID I was vaxxed, I was boosted and there were uh, readily available antivirals. So mm. get your booster. Yep. Agreed.
0: Alright. Well, thanks everybody for listening and we will see you For the penultimate episode of season one of Strange New Worlds. What's it called?
1: It's called Where Ancient Tombs Lay Undisturbed. Is it? No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be a really really good, that really would be a cool episode title.
1: It would be pretty good. Actually. Uh, let's check that out real quick here, real quick. It almost sounds totally like we're sleeping sleeping dogs lie. only gonna take a second. Only gonna take a second here. It is called All Those Who Wander.
0: That was a really good Leon uh, impression.
1: <laughs> all Those Who Wander. So the thing here is Wander. All Those Who Wander, the, the, the rest of that is, All Those Who Wander are not lost is the the line, Mm. I believe. So, hmm. Interesting. Okay. Who wonder? Are not lost? This quote, where's it come from?
0: Oh, yes. Tell us, teacher. Well, I
1: don't know. I'm just looking it up. Let's see. Oh, Tolkien in the... uh, striders poem so i talking there you go oh very good not all those you wonder a wonder i lost thanks lan you're welcome
0: <laughs> thanks everybody we'll see you next time later